Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to the Corona Premier Golf Show on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Good morning, Darren Pritchett with you. Great to have you on board for our weekly golf show program on 960 AM WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Coming up on the program, I'm going to be joined by Jerry Janowski. He is the assistant pro at Norwood Country Club in Granger. We're going to talk about the state of golf, things happening in the world of golf, including the Live Golf Tour event happening in Portland this weekend and the massive battle going on between that organization and the PGA Tour. We're going to talk about the First Tee Initiative, and also we'll get into a little detail about some of the more successful youth golfers in our area. Hopefully you'll play a little golf this weekend, but maybe wait a few minutes. We've got the Corona Premier Golf Show for you this morning. I'm Darren Pritchett. Jerry will join me in the next segment, so sit back and relax. This is the Corona Premier Golf Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to the Corona Premier Golf Show on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Good morning, Darren Pritchett with you. Joining me this morning to talk some golf is Jerry Janowski, the assistant pro at Knollwood Country Club. Actually, he knows a lot about WSBT radio, a former producer for Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat and other events here on WSBT radio. Now he's having real fun getting to spend his day at a golf course. That's my dream, Jerry, just spend all day at the golf course. I think you're <laughs> winning right now. How are you? Good to talk to you. I'm doing well, Darren. Uh, thanks for having me on, and yeah, hope you're doing well as well. We're doing very well. Thank you very much for asking. And Knollwood Country Club, of course, is just a big part of our community. It's always been a very popular destination for people in northern Indiana and southwest Michigan. Just give us a little background, how long you've been at Knollwood Country Club, and, and maybe some of the people right now that are, are running Knollwood Country Club. Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be happy to. So, know what I am actually joined uh, the staff this year. Um, had worked in the area at Dick's Sporting Goods for a long time, being a club fitter. Um, shifted out of that last year. Um, wanted to stick in the golf business this year. Had had some conversations. Um, started to also uh, be the head golf coach for Trinity School at Greenlawn. Their home course is Knowwood, so it just kind of worked out that the two of them matched really well, so I could help Knowwood. No one could help the Trinity program get started, and it just became a great fit. So I just started here this year. It's been a great experience. With Nolwood, um, they've got a lot of good staff going on. You have uh, Kale Bollinger is the um, general manager. He's kind of taken over, overseeing the whole area of Nolwood. Um, Gabe Baronja, he's the director of golf. Um, a lot of experience. He's a PGA uh, member as well. He's uh, a lot of experience, has had a, a lot of great ideas for helping Nolwood, um, you know, grow the game of golf and 
provide a fantastic golf experience. Um, Jordan Tankos is the head professional, a uh, younger guy, a lot of good experience though, uh, very good um, with instruction. And that's, uh, that's the main staff that's over at NOLWOOD right now. Just um, I'm very excited for where NOLWOOD is heading um, in the future. And we'll talk a little bit more about NOLWOOD as the program progresses, but you touched on something that I want to go a little deeper with, and that was the fact that you have spent a lot of time fitting individuals for clubs. And I think for so many years, Jerry, people would go to the department store, the sporting goods store. I'm talking about our grandparents almost or our parents. And you'd see a set of golf clubs, you'd buy them. And that was kind of the end of it. You'd buy head covers and you were ready to go. But so much has changed. There is so much technology. There are so many opportunities. I hope there aren't too many people that try to buy golf clubs without getting fitted because, Jerry, honestly, people like you that can get the right equipment into people's hands can truly make a difference in how well people play the game of golf. Yeah, it really does make a difference, and it's something I didn't think about for many years. I my last set of clubs I bought 20 years ago were just off the rack. They were just a regular shaft club, you know, nothing special. And as I got into the fitting more, I noticed my game was struggling. And I could see why. The, when I got on the monitor, saw my you know, ball speed, my swing speed, I was in the wrong shaft completely. So I'd have these wild misses. And you'd wonder, what's going on? Well, my shaft, you know, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't catching up to my swing sometimes, so I'd be missing it way, way left, way right. Just It really wasn't working well. So I got in there, you know, got myself fit for clubs, and the difference has just been fantastic um, for me. But also there are some things for me. I'm not a very big guy, you know, um, but if you are taller, um, having clubs that are fit more to your height, having lengthened a little bit, having the Y angle, because usually if you're taller, you're going to stand a little bit straighter on your swing where somebody like me who's shorter, I might stand a little bit farther away. So I need a club that is a little bit flatter on the Y angle. Whereas somebody who's taller, we tend to go more upright and it, it varies by person. And then there's swing speeds, you know, what shaft to use, graphite, steel, even now the, the heads, they have so many different head components mm-hmm. where you can get clubs that are more everything from what the pro use, the uh, good old-fashioned butter knife blade, hmm. all the way up to a super forgiving head, you know, and there's everything in between. So, like, for me, I'm a decent player, but I can't hit a blade. So I've got something that's called the player's distance category. The head's a little bit smaller, but there's a little bit more forgiveness built in. Hmm. So, I mean, it just, it helps. So, yes, getting fit is absolutely, you know, a great thing to help improve a golf game. You know, Jerry, hearing you talk like, about how when someone is tall, the maybe the club needs to be more upright. The last time I got clubs was 15 years ago. Now, I had a half an inch added to the shaft because of my height being 6'4", but I can tell you there was nothing in the process of getting fitted for those clubs that took that into consideration. So can I blame my poor golf game on that particular fact? And do you think that could make a difference Absolutely. if I actually got that checked? <laughs> Yes, it sure could. Absolutely. And what I've, I've had people come in and they're, you know, especially if they're taller or if the club's too flat, the tendency is to miss it right. 
So if you have a club and it's too flat or it's too short and you miss a lot of it right, that might be the thing. Just making an adjustment of, you know, one to two degrees can help fix that. It just gets your body in the right position and it fits more to where your arms come down. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. So, yeah, that absolutely could be a reason why. I'll give you a quick, just a quick story from a sure. tourist. Now, this will get into the PGA Tour, the Live, and everything else. <laughs> but Patrick Reed a few years ago, I mean, everybody's, you know, got an opinion on Patrick Reed. But that's uh, – he had a problem where he got a set of clubs, and he, they were a half degree off. And he was struggling. He missed a couple cuts in a row. He went back to his manufacturer at the time. They looked at it, and they said, oh, yeah, these are off a half a degree. Oh. They get him fixed. He goes back out. He's in the top ten the next week. Wow. It was simply a half a degree on the lie angle off, and that affected his game that much. Now, they're a lot more precise than we are, but you can see the benefit of having it, you know, having it done rightly, correctly. Mm. So, This is the Corona Premier Golf Show on WSBT Radio. Darren Pritchett joined by assistant pro at Knollwood Country Club, Jerry Janowski. So if someone comes into the shop and they're trying to debate between – using a blade or using a cavity back club. Is there something that you need to know about their swing or need to understand about that person's ability in order for you to offer them opinion on which direction they should go? Now, obviously you got to be a pretty good stick in order to even think about using a blade. Yeah. So I, I usually, when I, when I've done fittings for people before, what I've usually ask them is, Tell me about your golf game. What are you looking for in a club? If they come in and say, I want more performance, that's going to instantly get me thinking, well, let's check out the blade. Let's check out more of the player's club. If they're saying more forgiveness, that's going to push me more to the, you know, the bigger head, the more forgiving club, the game improvement club. Um, so that is where, you know, the, what are they asking in the first initial questions? It's not, you know, just go out and find one and see what looks good. Although, I will say this, too. The visual aspect is something that's very important. I tell people, too, there was an article, I think it was in Golf Digest, back when Tiger was coming back and making his comeback. He was switching from Nike over to TaylorMade, and they talked about the fitting process. And he gave, him, he gave TaylorMade his blades and said, I want this you know, replicated. Mm-hmm. They bring it out to him, and the first thing he does, he puts the club in his hand, and he looks at it with his eye, and he could tell instantly whether that club was right or not, wow. just by feel and just by look. But what happened was, people for, don't pay attention to this, what you're seeing visually makes a huge difference in how you're going to strike the ball. So I'll use my daughter, for example, mm-hmm. and you know, she played high school and college golf. She's a pretty decent player, but not, you know, she's not going to go to the tour. Um, but she played the game improvement for a while with women's shafts and got into college. Her wing speed picked up. But also, her ability got better. So I got her in there thinking we'd go to more of a game improvement. She goes in, she ended up, and I'm not brand, I'm brand agnostic, but we ended up with the tailor-made P790s, which is that player's distance iron. Mm-hmm. Her reasoning was she liked the look of the smaller head. Hmm. So that can play a part. It's what does it look like visually? If you get one of the game improvements and you're like, that just looks too big, you can go into the player's distance and still get some of the forgiveness. But I'll usually ask, you know, what's a handicap? How's your ball strike? And then once we get inside, too, we'll see. 
but a lot of it is not pushing somebody into what I think they need. It's discovering what is going to work best for them. Hmm. Interesting. Now, at Norwood Country Club, do you guys, are you involved in selling golf clubs to people? And I guess a secondary question is, I don't want to take away business from, you know, the brands you guys have, but for men, uh-huh. is there a brand of clubs that you feel like when you factor in look, performance, and also cost, maybe stands out above the rest? And I hope that club is in your golf shop because then we, you know, win-win <laughs> situation. Right. Yeah, so I know for uh, over at Knollwood, we uh, we carry clubs for uh, Titleist, Callaway, and TaylorMade. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've had a couple of Titleist uh, club fitting days where they'll come out and, you know, we'll have it here. TaylorMade's got one later today. They're going to be out there uh, doing that. Um, there's not really a I, – I tend to be, you know, club agnostic just from my standpoint um, – for the average, yeah, there's there's really not. We don't carry a lot of clubs in the shop. Most of it is going to be custom made. Right. So we're going to fit people for them and then order them directly. So there's not going to be buying anything off the rack. Um, but you know, TaylorMade and Callaway both make a good one. I personally, uh, I use Cobra. Mm-hmm. I found that that just had the best fit for me when I tested them out. I like their their head and the feel. So there really isn't one that stands out for people. Uh, I just usually tell people kind of go, you know, take a look at them when you can. Yep. And visually you'll get a feel for what you like. Jerry, how far has the industry come in terms of women's golf clubs? When you think of men, you think of the brands you just mentioned, Callaway, TaylorMade, Titleist, you know, those come to mind right away. Are there brands that have really, solidified their place in the women's golf market? I would think so. I'd say um, in my days, I've noticed that Cobra and Callaway are the two that really kind of stand out. When I was you know, in retail, they tended to have more um, options for women. Now, with all the modern club fitting, um, you can definitely order from anybody, and they've got all the pieces. But I will say this, too. I don't want people to get pigeonholed. When mm-hmm. they're going, like, a lot of times you'll go in, it's like, oh, I'm a woman. I need women's clubs. Well, my daughter, when I fitted her, she uses men's regular shafts. Okay. Because she's fairly athletic, and she has a swing speed that is strong enough to handle that. So, you know, it's not really – you can be careful. Don't just go in and say, I'm, you know, you're a woman – and they're going to bring you automatically to the woman's sets. That may not be what you need. You know, if you're if you're looking for a club that's going to fit you, it, it doesn't matter if it's men's or women's clubs. It doesn't work for you. Hmm. So, but as far as the women's sets that I've seen, Callaway and Cobra are the two that seem to stand out to me of having the um, best option. Ping is another one. They tend to be um, really, really good. Ping is really good with kids' clubs as well. So... Those are the ones that I would say, but just make sure that you're getting something, even if it's a woman's club, it doesn't have to be a woman's shaft. Okay. Make sure that it fits the swing that you have. That's good advice right there. Corona Premier Golf Show on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett. My guest is Jerry Janowski, assistant pro at Knollwood Country Club. Let's just touch base for a moment on a little bit of golf news and 
even with the excitement surrounding the U.S. Open leading up to our national championship, the media focused in the interviews with the players on the live golf issues, the Saudi Arabian-backed brand-new professional golf league. There are only going to be like 50 players in these tournaments. It's going to be a shotgun start. There's more money in team play, I guess, during these particular tournaments. It's it's really changed the look of the PGA Tour because this tour has stolen away so many good players from the PGA Tour, big names like Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, we have seen Brooks Kepka now most recently jump onto the Live Golf Tour, Dustin Johnson, and, of course, Phil Mickelson, and there's reports that Phil got $200 million to sign on with Live Golf, maybe DJ $120 million. And I guess, Jerry, from these golfers' standpoint, they get all this money up front, which is awfully good, and they're playing for bigger purses. That first tournament in London, $4 million to the winner, while the PGA Tour winner made like $1.5 the same week so this is a unique situation it's changing the game of golf I guess my one thing as a golf fan that stands out to me when you hear these guys talk outside of Pat Perez who I'll mention in a second they're all talking about this is all about growing the game of golf and I understand about how creating a new golf tour is now changing the game of golf or growing the game of golf. This is a money grab for these guys. And Pat Perez, who's been on the tour for a long time, he finally said it. He's 46 years old, and he's like, you know what? I hit the lottery. They're paying me all this money just for showing up. If I play bad, I don't make any money. But I'm 46, and he knows he's on the downhill side of his career. So to get money up front, you're locked in, you're ready to go, is a pretty good deal. And I was told the story this morning that the player that won the, I think it was the USM, who's from Michigan State, he's actually going to play on the Live Golf Tour, and he played in the first event, and they gave him $100,000 a year for three years in a contract. Now, that's nowhere near what Phil and DJ got, but for someone who doesn't have a card on a tour, I would think Jerry being offered $300,000 over three years would be pretty hard to pass up. I I know I would, uh, I could you know, use that if they want to sign me up. No, yeah, no I don't know. Um, but no, I mean, if you're just starting out, one of the things that I see, there's a, there's a guy on, on Twitter who follows um, the mini tours. He does a lot of stories on mini tour golf and the Monday qualifiers. And he talks about guys just struggling to make it, just struggling. They try the Monday qualifier. They might not get in. They're not making a whole lot. So there's, I got to think if you're a college guy, and you're trying to get onto the PGA Tour, which is already hard to do. Getting offered all this money right at the beginning of your career has to be just, you know, it's hard even to put into words. How could you turn that down? Rather than struggling for, you know, you're barely, you know, getting your, uh, yeah. what's the word, enough expenses. You're, you can't keep up with your expenses. Yeah. So you'd have to have sponsors and everything else. So, yeah. These young college guys, especially, this is, you know, just it'd be fantastic for them from a financial standpoint. See, this is what I'm wondering, Jerry, because let's say the Live Golf Tour goes on for three, four years. Heck, maybe it goes longer. Who knows? But let me play the what if game. Let's say the Live Golf Tour dies off after three years. You've got Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Louis Oosthuizen, 
all these very recognizable names, names that were a big part of making the PGA Tour what it is today, are without a home. Now, if you're the PGA Tour, they've had a very strong stance basically saying, if you go play on the Live Golf Tour, you're going to lose your membership to the PGA Tour. But here's my thing. The PGA Tour wants to have the best players in the world on their tour and the most recognizable players because people tune into golf tournaments to see the elite players. And a lot of those elite players are not going to be on the PGA Tour. But if they become free agents again in three years, like my example stated, I don't see how the PGA Tour is going to continue to turn away those individuals. Now, are there going to be other great players that are going to develop over the next three years in the meantime? I'm sure, but if you want the product to be as successful as possible, I just can't imagine this is going to be a lifetime ban because to me, the way I look at it, maybe I'm wrong, the PGA Tour would be hurting themselves if they don't allow them back in. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, and that's kind of where the uh, the PGA Tour and you know now the uh, DP World Tour kind of is going to have their their challenge. It's you've banned these guys who are going over to live. You know, can they withstand you know some of the struggles of not having these marquee players? And if they do come back, will the ratings drop? And will it really make a difference for these players to come in? The flip side, I think, is what if the PGA Tour? You know, they have Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. Scotty Scheffler now, you know, these guys kind of take the reins. Now in a couple of years with these older players kind of off the radar, they get forgotten about. Now, where do they, if Liv shuts down in three years, how do these guys try and get back or are they done? So that's kind of a risk there for them as well. Well, it's going to be very interesting. This tournament up in Oregon that the Live Golf Tour is holding. They wanted 300 volunteers. Are people going to volunteer for this event, just again, because of that Saudi Arabian group, they have, you know, there's a lot of political concerns on many fronts, including 9-11, that have people turned off to these individuals. But are they going to get the volunteers? And how many people are going to show up to watch this tournament? I'm really curious to see because there's no TV coverage. I guess you can watch it on a stream. But if you're a golf fan, are you going to go watch this particular tour again a lot of this is probably political with the saudi arabian aspect of the story but i'm really fascinated to see are they going to have anybody to come watch these events london had a pretty good turnout but in america we have the premier product on the pga tour so i know i'm comparing apples and oranges a little bit but this is almost like nfl usfl going from the pga tour to the live golf tour because yeah they got some big names but there's also some players you've never heard of so I'm not sure as a golf fan I would go watch this particular tournament if it was in my neck of the woods. Yeah, and that's kind of my thing. I take all the uh, the geopolitical stuff out of it and the big money. From a golf fan perspective, I don't get the idea of a 54-hole shotgun limited (laughs) field no cut. To me, that sounds like your local member member. Uh, You know, it's your member invitational. That doesn't sound, and I just did this. I've got a, I pulled up a website that has a, a thing from the win percentage with a 54-hole lead on the PGA and European tours over 15 years. Hmm. If you have a two-shot lead, you only win 44.5% of the time. Wow. Professional golf has always been built around the 72-hole tournament. You know, 54 holes is nice, but it's built around 72 holes. 
And on top of that, the shotgun start, I know some are saying, well, everybody gets the same weather. But if you understand and know golf architecture, there's a reason why the 18th hole is the 18th hole. If you took, let's just say, TPC Sawgrass, and they're playing the Players' Championship in the final round as a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> and you get your final hole. You know, you start on 17, and somebody else starts on one. You're coming down your last hole. The last hole is 16, a par 5 ego chance and a birdie. If you start on a one, you're playing the 18th. That's a big difference between the two finishing holes. You know, and now the pressure, you know, changes, but there's nothing like – you know, the leaders coming down with a one-shot lead, teeing off on 18, you know, with the pressure, and they know what they have to do. It's The live golf cannot simulate that. So from a fan perspective, for me, I just don't see the interest. I don't understand, you know, how a 54-hole shotgun no-cut is really entertaining, especially if you've got a guy who's trying to win his first tournament. He's on 18. He's got a one-shot lead. Look at the PGA just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm trying to think who was in the lead for that one. You know, he had the two-shot lead come out of the last hole and lost it, missed the playoff. I mean, you can't replicate that in a 54-hole shotgun. So just from a fan standpoint, the drama is gone. To me, going to a live golf tour event, I think the gallery would kind of be like the clientele in the movie Happy Gilmore. That's what the clientele uh-huh. feels like to me. And the tournament kind of feels like the caddy tournament in yeah. Caddyshack. It just, it doesn't feel like it's the ultimate challenge and the ultimate viewing for the golf fan. It just feels very secondary. Maybe they can change that over time. And I hope these players come back, but you know what? The PGA tour will move on. New guys will develop. And I guess as long as American TV keeps live golf off TV, some of these guys will kind of forget all about them, which is kind of sad in a way, but this is what they wanted. So this is what they get. Right. The only thing I'm thinking that is the benefit is most of them are, you know, the money and the money. Bryson DeChambeau had, if you saw what he did with the dude, perfect guys at Augusta national this year, Mm -mm. they were doing Frisbee golf and golfing with other things at Augusta national. And it went on YouTube and it just exploded. Wow. So, but because the PGA tour has media rights, he can't do that on the tour. So he was out there with this whole entourage at live had to do in this. So that's just one other thing aspect that maybe the PGA tour has to think about. How do you reach the generation? But most of it seems like a money grab, but at yeah. least from Bryson's standpoint, He's so out of the box thinking. Anyways, that just—I just throw that out there as one thing that maybe yeah. Liv has an idea, or at least Bryson does with Liv. Yeah, makes sense. He's Jerry Janowski, assistant pro at Norwood Country Club. I'm Darren Pritchett. We'll take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll spend a little time talking about the state of golf and what's happening at Norwood Country Club as the Corona Premier Golf Show continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Corona Premier Golf Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. My guest is Jerry Janowski, assistant pro at Knollwood Country Club. Let's just for a moment, Jerry, talk about the state of golf. I'm just curious what you're seeing out at Knollwood Country Club from the standpoint of golf popularity because once we went through, or I guess the beginning of COVID, golf interest really peaked because that was truly one of the things that you could go out and do. You could go out to the golf course and with social distancing, 
you could play golf. I know they had the little bumpers on the pin so you didn't have to touch the hole or, or the pin or anything, so extra caution was taken. But you know what? It was something for people to do going through the pandemic. Now that I think it's fair to say we're on the back end of the pandemic, do you feel like the game of golf is still as popular as ever? Have we seen people get back to normal, not playing as much in the rearview mirror? How do you look at the state of golf right now? Yeah, what I'm seeing is that it is, uh, it's continuing on. Golf is still, no, it's, it's uh, retained its popularity. Uh, you know, people are coming out. Our, our range is busy all the time. The golf course, the tee times book up quite often. So, um, yeah, I've, from what I'm seeing here just at Knollwood, and I've seen it at some of the other courses that I've been to as well, golf is still um, popular, and it's, it's still being – you know, people are still playing. They haven't given it up now that COVID's done. Are you seeing any extra growth in youth golf right now? I know personally I work at Blackthorn part-time, and this week a kids' academy has been taking place as they're teaching the youngsters about the game of golf. Do you feel like youngsters are getting involved in the game as much as they used to? I guess old guys like us, we can say, are they as excited about golf as we were back in the day? Yeah, I, I definitely see that. And I've got an extra perspective, being not just the assistant pro at Knollwood, but being um, locally on the local committee for the first tee out at Studebaker. Um, the f- growth in the Studebaker first tee program the last couple of years has been phenomenal. You know, they've had you know over two, 300 kids down at Studebaker getting lessons, learning the game. Down there, I know at Knollwood, we constantly have junior golfers on the range, out playing, um, having the – junior clinics and you know junior programs out there yeah oh juniors junior golf has really taken off in this area since you mentioned the first tee a lot of people i don't think know exactly what that is all about i know jenny zimmerman has been involved in first tee for a good amount of time in this area why don't you just pass along for the person who doesn't know much about first tee what exactly it is and the goal of that organization Okay. Yeah. So the, uh, the first tee is actually, it's, uh, uses the game of golf to teach characters and values to kids. So, um, they're trying to find, you know, they use uh, the nine core values that they have. And I, um, actually I have them right here. I was going to say, I can't remember them, but, um, <laughs> they used honesty, respect, integrity, judgment, perseverance, courtesy, responsibility, sportsmanship, and confidence using the game of golf to, you know, use all of those, for example, um, honesty. In golf, you keep your own score. You call your own penalty. Um, so they use the game of golf to say, hey, take responsibility for yourself. You know, be honest with people. So that's just one way. But we use, you know, like I said, the game of golf, teaching them the fundamentals, how to hit the ball, and then how do you play the course, how do you meet people, how do you interact, you know, handshakes before and after the round, um, you know, encouraging the other people when they hit a good shot. You're not – golf isn't a game where you're, for the most part, most people aren't cheering against your opponent. You actually want your opponent to do well. So it's really – it's a great way to get kids involved in the game, get them outside, and also teach them skills in life that they'll be able to take, you know, into their adulthood and, and beyond. 
there were a couple of members of my high school golf team that weren't very good with math. I think they probably could have used the first tee <laughs> to get started. But for, right. but for youngsters who don't have a set of golf clubs, can they still get involved in first tee? Yeah, absolutely. The first tee, um, you know, they have rental sets down there, um, or not even rental. They just have sets to use. So we would bring out, you know, multiple multiple sizes, so all the way down to, you know, four- and five-year-olds up to the 13-, 14-, 15-year-olds. Yeah, they have clubs ready to go. If you don't have them, you can just go down there and use them. So that's it's a great thing that's, uh, that's available. Now, do they have leagues that go along with this, or is this more about teaching and, you know, getting some practice in? They do. So they have um, down there at the first tee um, with Studebaker, at, um, they do have, the regular classes every they have weekly classes and you know weekly classes but they also have uh, an in-house PGA Junior League program where you know it's it's fairly foundational you don't have to have any experience you just come out you play nine holes as a team um, they do different formats you know kind of a match play every three holes is a point mm-hmm. whichever team gets the most points wins you're responsible for your own scorecard um, you know they have to sign it at the end so they kind of incorporate learning the game of golf with also how to compete and keep score for yourself and your opponent and, you know, check that at the end. So, yeah, they do have that. Um, and it's great because it's a team concept. You don't see that a lot in golf. It's more individual. But this is, you know, a, a, you get put on a team and then you're with that team for the year. See, they'll be ready for the Live Golf Tour in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if it's if it's if it's still around. We'll see if it's yeah, still around. That's a good point. That's a very very good point. In terms of the first tee, I'm kind of asking this personally. I'm just curious. I mean, I would have to think getting donations, golf clubs, maybe even monetary donations helps keep this organization going. Am I on the right track? Oh yes, yeah. Uh, donations of many kinds. Obviously, financial is one way. Um, donating golf clubs, golf balls, although we tend to get quite a few donations of clubs and balls, so those aren't the biggest needs. It's more the financial side, making sure that we have the proper staffing for the kids um, throughout the summer, Uh, making sure one of the biggest items down there are um, popsicles. You can imagine, I, I wish I had Jenny here at the moment, I'll talk to her, how many popsicles we went through last year at the first tee in Studebaker is, it's phenomenal. You know, you get those hot days, the kids wrap it up, and they all get a popsicle. You can imagine you do that, you know, June, July, yeah. August, every day afterwards with over 150 kids. That's a lot of popsicles. So that's a need is making sure that we have that taken care of. So golf clubs, there's a lot of those golf balls, but it's really the uh, the financial aspect of, you know, having bottled water for them, having the popsicles, those kind of things. So that's where the, the biggest need for helping is. That's cool. I mean, Little League, we went to DQ or got snow cones at the concession stand. Golf, you get popsicles. I like that. That's a very, very right. nice touch. Yeah. Well, and, I, and, and that is definitely a kid favorite. <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. Well, I know Jenny does a great job with that organization. I guess, Jerry, is there a website or a phone number that people can contact Jenny or First Tee to see how they can help, or maybe they want to get their child involved in this organization. Yeah, absolutely. So go uh, if you go to the website, it's firstteeindiana.org. Um, you can look there. That has all the locations for the state, so you do have to look 
uh, for locations for uh, the Michiana is the one that we have. And if you wanted to get in contact with her, let me go back. Um, yeah. So the phone number to contact the first tee uh, here at Michiana at Studebaker, it's 574-360-2764. It's 574-360-2764. Um, you can also contact Coach Zimmerman at jzimmerman at indianagolf.org. And then also our first T uh, Indiana and Michiana Facebook page is also a great spot for information. Okay, very good. And again, firstteeindiana.org, also a really good place to start. Jerry, let's circle back to Knollwood Country Club. Uh, why don't you remind our listeners or maybe people that aren't familiar with Knollwood Country Club, uh, the golf options, and also besides playing golf, what you can do out at Knollwood if you're a member. Okay, yeah, so Knollwood um, has a 36-hole golf facility, but it is not just a golf country club. It is a full family country club. So it has a fitness room, swimming pool, indoor and outdoor, um, banquet areas, you know, so a lot of extra other things to do um, for the whole family. Uh, they are currently accepting uh, members as well. So the best way to reach out to them is uh, or reach out to us at Knollwood is 574-277-1541, and you can get more information on the membership options there as well. And if I'm not mistaken, the 36 holes, really the courses are a little different, aren't they, in terms of part of it's wide open and other parts of the golf course, they're pretty tree-lined. Yeah, and the uh, it's funny. The west course is the shorter of the two, but it's actually the tougher of the two as well. That's where... A few weeks ago, we hosted the uh, Indiana State Amateur Qualifier, and it was on the West Course. It's a lot shorter, a lot tighter, a lot more challenging. On the East Course, it is a little bit more wide open, um, a little bit longer. So they are two completely different courses. So you'll get quite an experience um, if you get to play the courses out there. But, yeah, they are um, one's more wide open, one's tighter. But they're both fantastic courses. Jerry, finally, what about a couple of events that are coming up at Norwood Country Club? All right, so, yeah, we've got coming up our annual Charity Classic. It's on September 9th. Uh, the proceeds of that will go to the South Bend Educational Foundation and the Invited Employee Care Foundation. It is open to the public, and we're accepting both sponsors and golf packages, and you can get more information about that um, on our Instagram and Facebook page as well. So just uh, search for Facebook and Instagram for Knollwood Country Club. All right, very good. He's Jerry Janowski, assistant pro at Knollwood Country Club. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is the Corona Premier Golf Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the Corona Premier Golf Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. My guest this morning is the assistant pro at Knollwood Country Club, Jerry Janowski. And, Jerry, let's wrap up the program with a little local golf news. Let's start with boys high school golf. Anything stand out from the boys golf season? Yep. Yeah, so this year, um, I know I'm the coach of the Trinity School at Green Lawn. Um, this is their first year in the IHSAA. So just from our personal standpoint, it was a successful year, a first-year program. We had one of our players actually qualify for the out of sectional into the regional. And then from local teams, both Warsaw and Penn uh, tied for second at the regional and made it to state. 
Um, it took a 298 team total to get down there. So you're, you know, if you had four guys shoot 75, you weren't making it. So wow. that was quite an achievement for those teams. Wow. I guess so. That's some pretty <laughs> impressive shooting. What about on the girls' side? Yep. On the girls' side, I know uh, Penn usually has a strong team. Um, Northwood, Northridge, they both usually have strong teams. Concord has had one for years. Um, there are a lot of good players out there as well. Um, they, their season is in the fall, so they'll be starting here at the end of July with practices, and they get their season kicked off right at the beginning of August. See, growing up in Illinois, we played fall golf, and I loved it because you had all spring and summer to get your golf swing where you wanted it going into fall rather than in the spring sometimes, Jerry. As we know, the weather can be so brutal (laughs) that uh, you're just trying to get your golf swing tuned up, and, heck, you're halfway through the golf season. So I think it's tougher on the boys' teams here in Indiana to have spring golf. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some multiple factors, and I've talked about this with a few. This April was probably the worst April weather-wise in 60-some years. So we had maybe two outdoor practices, and we have an mm. indoor hitting area, but it's it's not the same. You know, it's not like getting out. So one thing here is, of course, the teams that are farther south down to Evansville and even up to Indy, they have a little bit of an advantage because they're able to get outside much earlier than we do. So, you know, it's, by the time you get to June and sectionals, it's maybe not as bad. We had yeah. time to catch up. But, yeah, it definitely sets us back a little bit here, um, having the spring the spring session. That is, that is for sure. I want to close up the show by allowing you to offer an example for a lot of parents out there. There are many opportunities for female high school golfers to continue on playing the game in college. I've read stories that out of all the sports in college that women's golf scholarships go – more unused than any other sport. So based on your daughter and her ability to play high school golf and then moved on to college golf, can you offer some insight on opportunities for female high school golfers or maybe young females that haven't made high school yet but dream about playing college golf? Yeah, I sure can. I'll have two examples, and they both come from from Matt Mishawaka where my daughter went and played um, so you would think being in a golfing family, I grew up golfing that my daughter would have just taken to it, but life circumstances just kept me from playing a few years. So I got her a brief story. I looked in the paper one day in the South Bend Tribune and there is a, the golf scores and they only had three players. So I asked my daughter, Hey, do you want to play? It's like, sure. Why not? So we get her freshman year. She has three practices. She's playing varsity four years later, you know, she qualified for regional twice and was able to get a golf scholarship to Ohio Christian University, which plays on the same level as Bethel. Nice. So she was able to accomplish that. Now, her scores, she wasn't shooting 70s. She had low 90s. So even for somebody who's a decent golfer, there are opportunities out there. Um, another quick example is uh, Mishawaka's coach, um, up to this point for the girls uh, who retired last year, Blair Vandenberg. His daughter, Grace, you know, played for four years, qualified for regionals twice, was shooting in the 80s. Um, she got a Division One scholarship down to Evansville. Oh. So there are opportunities down there for girls golf. And, yes, there are more opportunities out there. Um, 
that do go unused. So definitely, if you've got a girl and they're interested in that and they'd like to play a sport that they can play for a lifetime and also advance their future education, golf is a great sport for that. So I can see that from two different people just in my own life. Hmm. Great examples right there. Awfully good opportunities for female golfers to play the game they love in college. Jerry, it was great to catch up with you. I really appreciate you joining me on the Corona Premier Golf Show. And as we sign off, maybe just one more reminder for listeners, if they're interested in learning more about Knollwood Country Club, what is the best way to do so? All right. Thanks, Darren. So on the Knollwood, uh, the best way to contact us is if you go to the Knollwood website. You can do that at knollwoodclub.com. You can also uh, call us at 574-277-1541. And then also check out the uh, Knollwood Facebook page as well. That's uh, the three best ways to reach us if you want to learn more about Knollwood and possibly uh, becoming a member. Jerry, good to catch up with you. All the best to you and everybody out at Knollwood Country Club and hope to see you very soon. All right, Darren, thank you very much. Thanks for uh, having me on. My pleasure. Jerry Janowski, Assistant Pro at Nowood Country Club. I'm Darren Pritchett. Thanks for joining me on the Corona Premier Golf Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 